This program is intended for informational and educational purposes only. All views and opinions expressed are the views and opinions of the individuals and sponsors presenting them, and not the LTB network. Enjoy the show. Fiat money, if you like, is backed by men, men with guns. Can't counterfeit Bitcoin. On the blockchain, nobody knows you're a fridge. It's like a whole new worldview. It undermines the entire financial system. Separating your currency from government, from big banks. People are getting a little tired of these central banks. A Federal Reserve note? What's that mean? An orgy of, of banker bashing is what we're in for. The clouds are opening up to herald the arrival of Satoshi Cyberchrist. Christ is back, and he's got Bitcoin. It's yeah, another man. Wednesday. Woo. Oh, and just like Bitcoin, we're not left, we're not right. We're just consistent, principled, and dependable. Ah, I like that. Oh, I like that. It's a beautiful, beautiful day. More, another day to talk about Bitcoin. You know, unfortunately, our last uh, time yeah, right here on the nice. air. But hey, listen, that's okay. For now. For now. For now. You need time constraints are what they are. But it's listen. a hiatus, but... Just in just a sort while we don't know when they're going to come back. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. I, we might both die at work the way we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. But anyway, we're gonna what we're gonna do. We've got a great show to close out our presence here on KCAA 1050 AM in Loma Linda, California, and on the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network at letstalkbitcoin.com. We're happy to to kind of give you a, a quality closer. I think is what I'll call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think uh, just be, before, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk to Tur Demeester in just a moment. If you don't know who Tur is, you're going to get a chance to, to find out who he is. It's, he's a great guy, worth listening to. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk to a couple, a couple of guys who are working on uh, like an app store for Bitcoin. If you're an iPhone user, you know it's, nah. it's hell to get any apps on your iPhone for Bitcoin. They're going to change that. Um, but anyway, all right. So, well, just just before we go on, I just want to okay. thank uh, everyone at Let's Talk Bitcoin for giving us this opportunity to to talk, yeah. talk Bitcoin on the radio. And and yeah, uh, you know, we're we're not we're not leaving Let's Talk Bitcoin. We're still there. We're just you know, we're I just want I just want to make that specific. <laughs> we we're, we're gonna come back, everybody. We're, we're yeah. not gone forever. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we're like a low grade fever. We'll show up again at some point. <laughs> nah, oh, that was terrible. I don't know. Oh, that was awful. I, 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 I regret that but immediately. Yes, okay. Uh, call in too. We, we're taking calls. That's right. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. So if you want to give us a call in the studio, you can do so. 1 909 1050. Again, that's 1 909 1050. If you want to call us in studio to talk to us, our guest, everything here is pretty laid back. We're going to have a couple of natural conversations to uh, bring us through to the end of the show. Um, give us a tweet. Too, if you uh, if you're right. shy, if you're, at Ed and Ethan, if you want to Twitter at us, that sounds inappropriate. I, okay, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm in <laughs> that headspace. Yeah, person. all right, yeah. all right. So to start the show today, uh, we're going to bring Tur Demeester on the line. He uh, he is the guy behind Macro Trends. It's a financial newsletter, um, and he in his newsletter said that Bitcoin was a valuable buy at huh five dollars oh. in 2012. Oh, I wish I knew. I think the last market Ugh. tick, the last I saw, was somewhere around uh, 500 and some odd dollars or uh, 500 and in that neighborhood. So, you know, pretty decent, I think. He's uh, self-taught. He was inspired to leave university and educate himself after reading Ludwig von Mises' Human Action. Oh, uh, wow. He, he, he also that. That's, uh, yeah. that's impressive. <laughs> that is so impressive. That's a technical mind right there. And he also uh, co-founded the Murray Rothbard Institute, uh, Center of Research and Education in Philosophy of Law and Economic Theory. He's got a head on his shoulders. He's much more advanced than we are. So Definitely. Tur should be connected with us now. Mr. Demeester, how does the evening find you? Hi, guys. I'm excellent. Thanks. Great. I understand you're joining us from, uh, is it Denmark right now? No, no, it's it's Holland actually. I'm from Belgium, but I'm in in the Netherlands right now because there's um there's a Bitcoin event here tomorrow. Oh, well, fantastic! Good stuff. You, Good fun. I I would imagine if you're somebody that advised buying Bitcoin at five dollars, and you're probably traveling around to different conferences, you probably have that freedom to do. Would that be fair of me to say? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> been a tremendous uh, tremendous opportunity. It's it's uh, been really very very great, and uh, it's. It's. I mean, and and a lot of people that were involved in Bitcoin from earlier on, they've they've experienced this kind of, 
you know, you kind of it's kind of like you're pulled up by the tide, uh, this this tide of mm. Bitcoin, and and it's it's great to be able to connect to so many people and uh, experience on the ground what what's going on. Awesome. Yeah, spreading the good word and able to spread the good word. <laughs> Sp- spread hallelujah. <laughs> uh, so, Tur, let me ask you: Is when you're going to these different conferences? I mean, you how long have you been doing this? Have you been going to conferences since 2012? What's the scene been like for you? Uh, the first conference I went to was a Bitcoin conference in uh, 2012. Um, it was the, the lanyards were uh, by uh, a little little company uh, called Bitstamp. Uh, <laughs> they were a small exchange starting up. Uh, Mike Hearn uh, also talked at that conference, uh, and and mostly it was it was very a very geeky kind of uh, audience. There were no <laughs> venture capitalists. There were no um, known entrepreneurs. Um, and then from then on. Things uh, started ramping up. Uh, San Jose last year was uh, was pretty huge, and then the whole landscape changed. It's been incredible to see how quickly things have turned around. Hmm. Yeah. So when you okay, because you're a macro economic uh, economics guy, or are you? Is, is that would that be kind of fair to say that you observe macro economics in the world? Is that Am I off Yeah, I like to think so. Yeah, yeah, I do. (laughs) Well, kind of the premise for your newsletter, right? So, okay, if you – looking at this, here's something I'm kind of thinking of right now because it seems like Bitcoin has gone through these explosive growth phases. You know, it uh, peaks out at $266 at one point, drops like a stone to, you know, settle at about $100, and then it just booms back up to $1,100, $1,200, back down to where we are now about the $500 mark. Is there, okay, I see all of this merchant adoption. I see a lot more people getting interested in Bitcoin. To me, from the outside on its face, this would seem like, okay, so Bitcoin's price should probably start rising again as more people adopt it and more people get interested in it. Is it is it just my want for immediate satisfaction that it seems like the price is stagnating uh, for Bitcoin on Bitcoin exchanges? What's your view uh, of what's going on now and what's what's going to happen in the near future for Bitcoin's price? Yeah, well, so in 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 early January, uh, I had a feeling that well, look, actually from from 600 onwards, I I kind of felt things were getting overheated and a lot of people were um, saying things like, oh, I'm I'm throwing all my savings into Bitcoin or they were borrowing <laughs> money or to the moon or you know the whole thing. I sold my collection of rare. To me. I sold my collection of rare Fabergé eggs. Put it all into Bitcoin. What happened to her? <laughs> exactly. So so that's what, that was like in in late November we started seeing that and then yeah. in early January I, I thought we were starting to see a double top pattern which is a traditional uh, pattern for people that are into price patterns and then i just looked at the previous two um, spikes and looked at how long it took the market to consolidate to find a bottom somewhere so from that i projected a bottom uh, to occur like late february mid-march that was kind of my projection and i thought it was going to be around five four hundred dollars so i think that's pretty much happened and mm. uh, i think you know of course, we have to see going forward, but I think the bottom was in at 380. I think that's okay. pretty much the bottom, and and we are going to slowly consolidate a bit more, and then and then move up again. I think. So you're seeing an an upward direction in prices in the short term. Okay, that's interesting. I guess because, like I say, for me, it looks like everywhere around all over the place, you see increased adoption and inter- and interest. So it's kind of counterintuitive that price goes down because as more interest is is uh, injected yeah, into the Bitcoin yeah. economy, you, you'd think that this becomes a more and more valuable digital commodity, right? Well, if, if you look at the numbers, the interest is down a little bit. I mean, there's less people visiting the Wikipedia page of Bitcoin. There's a little bit less people tweeting about it. There's, you know, it's mm. it's it's a little bit down. Uh, but on the other hand, we got these value investors, um, uh, such as Bill Miller, who came on, on television saying, uh, when Mt. Gox crashed and I saw that the Bitcoin community, their back was not broken, the activity was still there, <laughs> I decided there's something here. So he started investing at below $500 and he's, you know, he's he's famous, almost uh, as close as famous as uh, as Warren Buffett. He beat the S&P uh, for 15 years in a row. <laughs> he's he's a uh, he was a chief manager of assets in a, a company that was managing over $600 billion in assets. I mean, if he calls a few friends of his, 
I I, vent- I would venture to say they can probably keep the price uh, higher than four, $400 quite easily. <laughs> right, right, yeah. A small enough economy that it can be uh, manipulated slightly by those with a vested interest in it, I suppose. Now, does, does, I've heard some talk, just kind of cursory overview of, of some of the, the, the payment processors drop, driving price down because merchants, they, they sell oh, right yeah. away, right? So you're you selling lots of Bitcoin. Yeah, and what, what's more merchants, your... increasing selling pressure. Does that have anything to do with that, possibly? Uh, I don't know. I, I think, you know, most people actually spend their Bitcoins when they think the price is highest. Mm. So I think actually people are spending a little bit less Bitcoins on, on merchant sites. And also, what we're seeing increasingly, if, if you talk to the payment processors, they're saying that the merchants are now uh, keeping more of the coins, up to 10% uh, of yeah. the money that comes in. They keep it in, in Bitcoin and they want to save in it. Nice. That's and that's different from before, right? It's it's rising. See, I'm glad my my very amateur view of this uh, shares a quality of your view as well. I I, I certainly do think um, that uh, that you know as as the price comes down, as Bitcoin becomes less valuable, people have less of a propensity to spend it. We've seen the opposite. Certainly is true when yes. when prices increase, BitPay starts to uh, report increased activity among their member merchants. People are spending more and more Bitcoin. Certainly, BitcoinStore.com they increase their volume of sales so it's very cool to see that and also i've also like to point out that look when you just get when when you buy let's say uh an lcd flat screen tv with your bitcoin you are exchanging bitcoin for value right you are accepting a valuable item in exchange Mm. for your bitcoin so it's not exactly like you're uh you know you're you're cashing your bitcoin out and driving value down you've basically told the entire bitcoin economy i'm willing to trade so many bitcoin for a television so that expresses to the entire bitcoin economy that bitcoin are at least worth you know to this guy an lcd tv right so i think there's that expression of value is important and it does keep the value of bitcoin in a very more uh, a much more generalized sense up so i i think that's important to point out i don't know right. Tara, am i off base there what do, what do you think you're the economist well, i mean i mean i agree uh look at a person like bill gates for example from the moment Microsoft did their IPO and they went public, uh, Bill Gates sold Microsoft shares every single day, every single mm. day of his life. And doesn't mean he didn't he stopped believing in Microsoft. I no, I mean he just extracted some value out of it for his own, you know, daily livings and and all of this. And then new people had the opportunity to buy those shares from him. Right. Well, mm-hmm. see, that's the thing, right? A medium of exchange has to have some other value attached to it, right? Some value has to come into the economy for that medium of exchange to be valuable. <laughs> the yep. medium of exchange is expressing value that exists within an economy. It's not valuable just on its own. Uh, there's got to be some other involvement there, too. It's a multifaceted sort of idea. So, mm-hmm. Tur, let me ask you, there, there's, okay, we had recently the collapse of Neil. B, which uh. was uh, a really neat project in Cyprus. When I saw this, kind of like a Bitcoin bank in Cyprus, I was excited, I thought, man. Me too. I yeah. was really excited. I thought, wow, that is a really cool idea. Uh, it seems like perhaps the uh, CEO, Danny Brewster, may have taken off with a lot of Bitcoin. Maybe he's defrauded the company. These are all allegations. We're not sure yet. Tur, can you give me your perspective on the Neo and B collapse? Because uh, I know you were watching that. Is this super detrimental? Are people in Cyprus jaded on Bitcoin now? Uh, what what uh, what what's your what's your perspective here? Yeah, it is a real tragedy, and uh, I mean, this has been a major learning experience for myself. It's been uh, it's been quite humbling. Um, I was never an investor in Neo. Um, I was in touch with Danny a couple times uh, because he was, you know, asking me for some feedback about the the general idea. Uh, that was really, I think, last summer actually. Hmm. Um, and then later on, he pinged me when they did their when they went public. I didn't really look into it uh, then. And then they just asked me to to uh, fly over to Cyprus and and talk about Bitcoin in general at their uh, at their conference. So when I was there, I, I spent like three days in in Cyprus. Um, I uh, I had an opportunity to to talk to him and to talk to the people involved. 
And, uh, you know, obviously they had been spending uh, a lot of resources to, uh, you know, get the word out, set up this very successful marketing campaign. I saw some of their uh, the software they were developing uh, and some of the plans they had and the feedback they got. And it was all very, you know, very positive and and as yourself, I was excited as well. I thought this was a, a great way to, to bring Bitcoin to the mainstream. Um, and it turned out that apparently the the funds that were there to you know fund the 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 software going forward uh, all of a sudden disappeared. And now the big question is what happened with them? Did um, you know the CEO steal them because he disappeared from the island all of a sudden, mm. or did he lose them early on and didn't want to admit that? Um, the, we'll, we'll still have to see about that. What, what what's the case? But um, no customers lost funds. It's just okay. been investors because they they actually didn't take any deposits. Um, uh, so that's that's really sad for you know no doubt hundreds of investors that were involved. Um, uh, but I think the impact on the on the ecosystem at large is 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 mostly educational. It's it's yeah, a warning yeah. to to really look into you know what you're doing. Especially, I mean, also for myself, I didn't. I thought the company was overvalued, so I didn't invest and I didn't I didn't really investigate a lot, um, which I definitely should have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean. It's a tragedy, and uh, there's many ways to to do proper auditing um, yeah. and to make sure that the funds are really there or they're secured in, in a certain way. Or, uh, and I think it's going to make investors more careful going forward. It also shows the value of funds, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Institutional investors they're they're uh, notorious for doing very rigorous. Um, testing beforehand to see if people are who they say they are mm. before they invest so if you see a startup and they, there's a, a, a fund with a good reputation behind it that really raises the profile and there's sure. good reason for that well i think i think you know i wasn't invested in neo and b i had initially looked at it and thought it was really cool and i kind of played around with the idea but you know i, I in the end I, I i didn't i certainly didn't hold any investment in neo and b when they collapsed um, and I, I look at it though, and I wonder maybe what it was, was, you know, you get so excited about something that could be so revolutionary and have so much of an effect on the general Bitcoin economy around the globe that you just, yeah. you're willing to drop some of that due diligence mm. that you really do need to carry out. Because let's face it, Neo and B had some real problems with any of the financial data that they showed to people, which was essentially non-existent mm. uh, when it was needed most. Ah, you know, I guess it's it's really just jubilation, you know, get that, that kind of excitement that wells up. And uh, I suppose really it did catch a lot of people off guard. Um, I, I think you're right, Tur, that it is probably very... Uh, much an educational instance, you know, but it seems like the the Bitcoin economy is sort of rife with problems. There are a lot of cases where it should be pretty darn educational for people. People make off with millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin. Um, They either disappear or somebody disappears into the nether with their Bitcoin. Uh, you know, I, bad I get, marketing, man. I hate, I hate that aspect. The yeah. marketing aspect, it sucks. It doesn't doesn't affect actual Bitcoin. Like the, Bitcoin, well, the right. blockchain still is pl- keeps on building those blocks. But Tur, what would you say to these people who look at the Bitcoin economy and see essentially a huge amount of fraud? It seems hit the presses. Yeah. What I, do? You, do you have words of of reassurance, comfort, or or somehow that you could you could rebut the the notion that there is so much fraud? Well. I think I think there's not necessarily more fraud in Bitcoin to be honest than there is in the traditional financial system it's just that there's no bailouts right? <laughs> Okay go on <laughs> So I mean like Mt. Gox for example if we were we were to have a, a Bitcoin central bank it would have been bailed out and uh, people would still be uh, having funds in this fractional reserve system and uh, all the bitcoiners would be forced to contribute to the keeping alive of this zombie exchange mm. uh, just like what happened in 2008 with with all the JP Morgans of the world and the AIGs and so on so i think that the the bitcoin ecosystem actually is uh, it it rewards people that dodge the bullets uh, if you you know dodge the butterfly lab bullet dodge the mount gox bullet all mm. that if you did your research 
then uh, you're going to be well off. Uh, if you don't necessarily trust too many third parties, you're doing very well in Bitcoin and you're not affected at all. Mm. Um, and so it really rewards virtue in that sense. It rewards people that are very careful um, and that have a long-term view and all those kind of things. And that's what we need. We need those people to hold the value uh, of Bitcoin, and they're going to make the right decisions to me- to move it forward, to to build companies that are reliable and um, that that the masses can use reliably. I think you're right. I look at these situations and I wonder what is the alternative then? If you do, you socialize the losses, and if you socialize the losses then Bitcoin as an economy is no better than those economies which have uh, fallen to massive market failures and dysfunctions already. Uh, I mean, Bitcoin's supposed to be different. So, I, I mean, if you advocate for something that is so status quo, that rewards uh, the bad behavior that we have seen in the marketplace, the lack of due diligence that we were just talking about, if you, if you further encourage that, uh, it can only get worse. Tur, when you're talking about uh, Bitcoin, I've noticed, and certainly from your biographical data, I would say certainly you're like Ed and I, probably a very, uh, I would say, very libertarian. Uh, when you're looking at Bitcoin, I said at the beginning of the show, it was kind of a jab at somebody else. I said at the beginning <laughs> of the show, you know, not left, not right, just consistent. That's what I do see in Bitcoin, though. However, yeah. I also see that as kind of a political thing. Bitcoin, I'm not sure if it's apolitical. What's your take on this? Because I know that you find it very attractive because you're a freedom lover, a liberty lover. So give me your take on what Bitcoin is as a potentially a political instrument. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I definitely see it as a, a political, you know, cause. I mean, it's it's... It's similar to abolishing slavery. It's abolishing financial slavery. Uh, this this financial central planning we've been living under for so long. If you own fiat currency, you're subject to what some guy with a beard is saying on television, right? He's going <laughs> to define the value of the money that's in your pocket. Well, now it's uh, some woman with a beard, so let you know it's yeah. changed. But we can go on to. <laughs> Exactly. So, um, so to be able to free yourself from that, I mean, it's like before in in the back in the forties, you were subject to what some you know, especially in 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 Belgium, for example, where we have state television. If I look at these television programs and radio programs back in the day, they were basically government propaganda mostly. There was hardly any private production of of information. Um, out there, uh, especially not in televised form. So, and then with the internet, that completely changed, and all of a sudden, you didn't have to um, use those sources as 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 basis for your decisions or information gathering. And it's the same with with Bitcoin now. Now you can actually operate in a free world, and and I think that's really exciting. And the cool thing is that people who are socialists and who love central planning and all that, they can continue to use their fiat money. That's that's fine. Right, but I have the chance to opt out, which I think is awesome. Good stuff. So, Tur, I just have one question, one more question here. What's your favorite feature of the Bitcoin protocol, and why? It would be, I would be privacy. It would be really, I mean, uh, complete autonomy about what I want to do with my money. I think that's that's the major feature. Mm. I think that's it's basically um, the end of monetary apartheid like you know mm-hmm. i decide what i do with my money wherever i am in the world so um that means i can interact with every other individual directly in the world mm-hmm. and uh that's basically increasing my freedom and my sovereignty and uh my decency as a human being i like that yep private oh, I- property for your money i i love it that's that makes total sense. Well, it does make sense. And you know what? It, it's so important. You know, privacy is important in your financial transactions. Uh, John Matona said something about uh, dignity in the privacy of mm. your financial transactions. Let's face it. This is communication. If you can't have privacy in your communications with other people, uh, you're not really free. Tur, I want to thank you very kindly for the time that you've given us tonight, all the way for you know from from what is it's the wolf hour over there, uh, you know, middle of the night. So thank you so much for waking up and and accommodating us tonight. It's been such a pleasure to have you on, and we're gonna have to have you on our weekend show at some point because I yes, love definitely uh, conversation. Yeah, I love talking to you. So thanks again, Tur. I really do appreciate it. 
Well, talking to you really felt like sunrise. Thanks so much for having me on. <laughs> oh, stuff. my goodness. Good how stuff. polite. All right. We're going to be back right after a break. Uh, we'll uh, we'll be in touch here with Tyler Evans and Andrew DeSantis about uh, about some really cool Bitcoin uh, application store thing. It's going to be great. So more after the music. We'll be right back. This is Ed and Ethan. The Electronic Frontier Foundation, or EFF, fights to protect your rights in the digital world. When a patent troll threatened podcasters, they fought back. EFF has also defended your right to encryption and has sued the NSA to end the government's mass suspicionless surveillance. There are different ways you can help EFF, from donations to signing petitions to writing your representatives to just spreading the word. Find out more at EFF.org. That's EFF.org. Zombie what brains? Now from Global Brains. This is CTV News. Brains. CBC News. Brains. The Ed and Ethan Podcast. Come to where the brains are. All right. All right. We're back. Back again. For this, our <sighs> final Bitcoin report yeah. right here on KCAA 1050 AM in Loma Linda, California, live. If you want to join us, by the way, you can either tweet us. You can tweet us. It's true. We saw a great tweet, by the way. Uh, what was it? Uh, it was a Turdemeister quote. It's like abolishing slavery. It's abolishing financial slavery. Uh, that tweeted by Bitcoin Solutions, EDM. BTCSO on the Twitter tubes there. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, you can either tweet us at Ed and Ethan or give us a call right here, 1 909 1050. Again, that's 1 909 1050. Uh, ask us about Bitcoin. Give us your fond farewells. Tell us just how amazing uh. we are and you don't want to see us go. But too bad <laughs> we just don't got time. We, it's we have been getting some of those emails, which, Actually, you know, no, it warms have. the heart, man. It, it warms, war- the, warms heart. the cockles of one's heart. Uh, okay, so anyway, but we're enough about us. We've got a couple of great guests. Uh, Tyler Evans, he's studying chemical engineering and has a background in microfinance and private equity. Andrew DeSantis, I think I'm pronouncing that right. We'll we'll uh, we'll know in just a minute here. Uh, he's getting his master's in computer science and has worked for several virtualization companies and for Apple. Uh, they're both in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, in the school of uh, in school at the University of Alabama. Together, they've been working on a project. Uh, for about nine months to build a better app distribution platform. Uh, they've built an app store that works in iOS, Android, and Windows Phone. That's all cro- cross-platform Good stuff. Uh, that lets us, uh, the proletariat, install apps without <laughs> going through the Apple Google App Stores. So what this means for the Bitcoin community is that we're going to be able to bring Bitcoin wallets and trading platforms, all that stuff, back for iPhone users. Yeah, you saw all those videos of people shooting their iPhones, <laughs> yeah. smashing them with axes because they couldn't use Bitcoin stuff on them. Guess what? You might want to try and rebuild them or just go buy a new one. It's up to you. Uh, so <laughs> Tyler and Andrew should be connected with us now. How are you guys tonight? And thanks for joining us, by the way. Doing well. How are you guys? Oh, we're always fantastic. We're yeah. Canadians, so we're always happy. It's uh, <laughs> chugging maple syrup. It's a good side effect of it. So, <laughs> so Okay. Okay, I want. Could you give me a, 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 an overview of what you guys are doing? I know at your website avalonic.com, you can find some details here. But give me the cliff notes. What's this project about? So basically, what we have is a multi-platform application distribution network. We allow you to write code one time and ship it to iOS, Android, and Windows instantaneously. Okay. So, uh, that, uh, <laughs> so, so Ed's eyes just went all wide. Yeah, okay, that's, that's good. Uh, that's good. Good, good stuff there. I, I'm, I'm still, I don't, not a te- we're not technical people. Uh, so maybe kind of go into a little bit more detail on that one. So for, uh, for the consumer, what this means is that we're building an alternative app store that you'd be able to, to download and install on your phone, uh, whether that's an iPhone or a, a Windows phone. And through this app store, which we're building, you'll be able to download all sorts of apps, um, including Bitcoin wallets and 
and uh, other popular apps uh, on your iPhone. Okay, it sounds like for iPhone users, you might have to jailbreak your phone for that. You guys, do you guys have a way to do that, or what, what's what's going to be the consumer's experience there? Uh, that's kind of the novel part of our store is that we don't need to jailbreak our. You don't need to jailbreak for iOS. Huh. Right on. So you don't need to jailbreak the phone. You just uh, basically you install your app store and any app that you can get in your app store, you can install on your device. Wait, wait. What's the possibility of Apple shutting down, like taking your guys's, uh, because that's kind of uh, a pretty big competition there. Right. Our uh, our platform's entirely separate. So it's as easy as visiting a, a link on a website and then clicking a button to install the store, and it installs without going through the Apple App Store at all. No. So it's not, people can, uh, can take down a block easily. It's just on the Internet. Oh, oh very cool. So you guys don't even have to have you, – you you don't get this through the App Store. You get it direct from you guys or anybody else hosting. Like it's basically a, it's a program, right, that you can install on your phone. Correct. Okay, so now this is cross-platform. So this isn't just iOS. This is Windows Phone and Android Phone. Um, so you guys, okay, are you getting developers to write apps in, I don't know how app development works. So do you get three different languages that you have to code in for these different platforms? How does that work? So what, what we did is we went ahead and wrote um, the APIs out for the platforms. So they write against our API in whatever language they choose. And I mean, you could pick uh, C, Python, PHP, whatever you want to write in and deliver to all platforms. So it makes it a lot easier for developers because instead of having to build three dedicated versions of the app for the different languages like Objective-C for iPhone and Java for Android, they can just write the app one time in a language that they're choosing, and we handle all the back-end work of distributing it to the different platforms. Okay, so Good now stuff. you guys are going to be going out on beta soon, right? So so how, how will people access beta, and how soon will that be? So uh, right now we're taking an email sign-up list for the beta, which is on our website at avalonic.com. Uh, but basically we hope to have that out within the next couple weeks, and we'll be emailing everyone on that list with a link for them to get a, a sneak preview of the store. Okay, that's pretty cool. So then when you guys get this beta out, uh, do you have any idea how many apps you're going to have in your app store uh, to use on the, on the device? Or are you, do you guys have people lined up already? What's the situation there? Right now we actually have um, two teams from Canada uh, yeah. working on apps. They're porting some of their apps over and some of their apps work off the bat. Um, then we have three other companies. I don't know if we can really see who they are, but they're all working to be in on day one. And then Tyler and I have a, t- a backlog of applications. So I would say on day one, we're shooting for um, at least uh, 20, 20 apps. Okay. So we know we're going to have a Bitcoin wallet in there for all, all you iPhone users out there. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> so vital. <laughs> Good stuff. So, so let me get this. So you guys, you have to uh, um, approve the app. So someone can't just like well, – I know with uh, – with, um, with Android, it's some it's good and it's somewhat bad because you can get lots of spammy stuff <laughs> on the on their app store. But you guys are you'll you'll be doing somewhat. You have to approve these things, so it's not and not just anybody can come up and just make it and submit an application. And then the next day it's there. You guys have to actually go through these things individually. Is yeah, that, what's is that the correct? process there? So at the current moment in time, working on on programming and preparing it for scalability. Tyler and I have been mainly focused on the code and working with individual developers in terms of getting apps into the store. We actually had a discussion about this today and we're going to pretty soon publish our uh, parameters of what is and isn't acceptable for the store. It's nothing like Apple. I just quite simply don't want to put something in the store that would make us liable or send us to jail for some reason. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, if it doesn't get us in trouble legally, then it's going in the store if they want it to. The idea long-term is, though, um, in the way Twitter allowed users to take an idea and send that out to an entire network of other users, we want to have a worldwide network, all platforms, 
where someone can write a, you know, a program really fast and shoot it out there immediately, have it available to everybody everywhere instantaneously, and then just have that happening in real time. I'd like to see uh, somewhat like a Reddit ranking system uh, mm. for new apps coming in, and then whenever they hold a top spot, they get listed in the store. Nice. Oh. That is really like that. cool. Yeah, Not like only that. breaking down barriers uh, internationally, but looking for those, you know, the, the, the community involvement and input. I think that is so important because uh, right now, I mean, you look at open source projects. Uh, if they are floundering, it's because of a lack of input. That's that's absolutely it. Right. So you got to mm. find a way to get the community involved and, and uh, actively engaged. Uh, that sounds like a really good avenue. I mean, I'm not a developer. I'm just a pretty or not pretty voice, depending on your opinion. But, you know, I, I so when I look at this kind of stuff, uh, I get really excited because for me, at the consumer level, this means that you guys are trying to push the idea of so many more people getting into that development sphere and creating cool, flashy new things that I'm going to enjoy, right? So. So when you guys are looking at, uh, at, at, the, at the developer community right now, what kind of interest have you gotten from the developer community? Because it sounds like you've got a few projects already that, you're, you, you, you know, that uh, is getting some involvement. Uh, but what's the general taste out there so far? What's it uh, feel like? The reception so far has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, we just kind of posted a teaser video on, on Reddit one day, and my email inbox started blowing up with probably 40 or 50 emails <laughs> from different developers uh, wanting to use the platform. So uh, we think we'll be able to, to get a lot of quality apps in there really quickly. I'm cool. sure to get his Wow, not mine on Reddit. <laughs> so, so does this mean an Android user could possibly be using some Apple, uh, Apple software, like Apple apps? Like, is that is that a possibility? If if some like, because I'm tr- I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. Like, say if I want to use, I don't know, uh, Apple's uh, map program. Uh, I don't know why you'd want to, but <laughs> if if I wanted to use that on my Android, could someone submit that through you guys? Somehow, so it could be on that platform, and then I could download your app store and then use the Apple. Uh, uh, no, that's that's not. Is that I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> you lost me. Yeah. Um, so, like in theory, that's possible, but okay. not in some easy way. I mean, okay. when I say in theory, I mean not at all. Like that, uh, <laughs> you'd have to write the app for our store, uh, and then we would ship it to every platform. There are some applications already out there that will immediately ship over. But uh, for the most part, um, we're looking at new apps or newer apps, if that makes sense. People that um, displayed, uh, well, they wrote their code modularly and they built it in a way that it could already be shipped to every platform. We'll be able to throw them in immediately within a day. Otherwise, we're looking at new projects. But uh, Tyler uh, was coding the other day. I look over and go, what are you doing? He goes, I think I'm going to build a Bitcoin wallet. All right. Thirty minutes later, he goes, "I, right, I'm done." I'm like, "What do you mean you're done?" He wrote an entire Bitcoin wallet in thirty minutes. Wow. So there's enough hour to secure it. So hour thirty minutes, cleanest Bitcoin wallet that is out there, sends and receives. If Tyler can do that in an hour thirty and get it secure, uh, an entire development team. I can't wait to see what they ship out. Wow, wow that yeah. is pretty cool. Good stuff. Uh, just to mention it again, that's avalonic.com. That's avalonic.com. I hope more people get involved in this. Do you guys, um, you, have you guys gotten any funding from uh, VCs? What's your kind of existence in that uh, area of, of, uh, of the world now? So, so far, we've bootstrapped the project entirely by ourselves. Uh, wow. But in to kind of scale and take it to the next level and be able to hopefully reach millions of users, we do anticipate raising some uh, some angel funding here pretty quickly. Okay, okay. So you guys are kind of in in process of getting that done. If you guys get VC funding, what are your immediate goals for expanding the project uh, from where it is? We have a designer that we're very interested in hiring uh, potentially full-time, and I'd like to take him in and have him redo the entire ecosystem uh, to his taste. He's one of the best designers I've ever mm. seen. And then um, pulling in more developers to handle uh, kind of front-end tasks. The back-end's pretty strongly built. Okay. 
Okay. No, oh, that's cool. I like it's it's just neat to see where this stuff can go, right? So, and by the way, I'm I'm being asked uh, somebody texting me asking for your guys's Twitter handles, and I know that's at avalonic.com, right at the bottom, right underneath the Bitcoin donation address. You just you know point that out too. <laughs> uh, but but I guess um, for you guys. I, I'm kind of curious why you guys got interested in Bitcoin mm. to begin with. Why did you wander into this space? Because Bitcoin needs as many developers as it can get, obviously. So, you know, great to see you guys wander on board. How did you get here? I got uh, introduced to Bitcoin probably about a year and a half ago by a, a classmate at the university who I did um, value investing with. And so he started telling me about Bitcoin, this new this new currency, and uh, uh, how what a great idea it was. And at the time, you know, we were we were into value investing, so I thought this is this is the smartest thing from a value investment. This seems incredibly mm-hmm. speculative and risky. But uh, over time, you know, he he taught me more about it, and I did some research and and read about it, and kind of came to see the potential in it from a technical standpoint. Cool. Um, I actually heard about Bitcoin when it was at $13 a coin and didn't really think anything of it. I was also, I was doing stock trading at the time. I was, and I was dealing with the fact that I was too young to be trading stocks. And that's a whole other story. But um, basically I was writing the app store, a very, very early, early version. Um, and I quit because iOS 7 had given me a really bad headache around it and um, wasn't worth it. I talked to Tyler about it. Um, we decided to start back on it, and Tyler's friend, David Bailey, ended up coming over one weekend and would not stop talking about Bitcoin. And I was like, I know what that is. I've heard about it before. And then eventually, I started looking at it again, and uh, it ended up changing the entire perspective of all my projects. <laughs> awesome. Oh, I like that. Bitcoin, world changing, both for people <laughs> like us and developers. You guys, do you guys see, because here's how I see this, right? I look at Bitcoin. I see a world of, of uh, possibilities that have been opened up in the field of computer science. You know, as, as a layman, I look at this, I see endless possibilities. Uh, when you guys see, see Bitcoin, do you see it the same way? Like, what's What's your what's your uh, future vision of potential sorts of uh, programs, applications? Like, what kind of possibilities do you see into the future for Bitcoin? Uh, and 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 how has the technology revolutionized uh, the uh, the <clears throat> information technology space <clears throat> from a developer's point of view? Well, so Tyler and I uh, actually go back and forth on this topic a lot. Hmm. So that's one of the fun things about working together and Bitcoin being somewhat speculative is that we can fight about it all day and we can just watch the results and see who wins in the end. Um, I personally think it has solved a major problem in the ability to transfer value online um, from two individuals. Um, In terms of altcoins, I would like to see those become more like sky miles per se in the future Hmm. and um, to see that kind of really develop out. So I'm really interested in watching that. Um, But more importantly, I really want to see more groundbreaking things on the same level as Bitcoin happen. That's now that people know that like one guy can come up with a protocol that changes everything. I think there's room for more protocols. And then I would like, and I'm really excited to see the developer community grow around Bitcoin. But um, for every alt currency, I wish uh, we would see a brand new thing that just blows everyone away. Mm. You want you want the next killer app again <laughs> and every week a killer app. What, what about you, Tyler? Yeah, how, how do you see this into the future? You know, I uh, obviously Bitcoin's done great things, but I'm really excited about kind of the underlying blockchain technology and how that solves the problem of uh, trust between two parties who who uh, weren't able to establish trust before or who have never met. And so I'm really excited to see kind of some of these projects people are working on to incorporate this sort of trust mechanism into other aspects of life, whether that's uh, open, transparent voting or whether that's a decentralized corporation or a contract that's written into a blockchain that can't be broken. So I think we'll see a a lot of innovation over the next couple of years based on these blockchain technologies. Do you guys think... 
Okay. We on this show here, uh, I've gone a little <laughs> hot-headed over regulation I knew that was before, <laughs> so I'm kind of curious what you guys think. Because, look, I know some people think that regulation is, is there to kind of protect a space while it grows. Uh, I, I don't know. I kind of see regulation in almost any case as something that hampers innovation. Maybe you, define that first, though. Define what you mean by regulation. Well, any any rule that is imposed from a centralized source, okay. a central planning exercise, I think it it kind of... Uh, stifles the innovative spirit around something like Bitcoin. Guys, do you share that view? Or do you think I'm off base? What's your viewpoint here? Because I know a lot of people think, you know, we do need this to go mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I think Bitcoin is really interesting in that perspective. I do think there are certain things that do need regulation. Like I enjoy that when I drive down the road, everyone knows what side to be on. Um mm-hmm. But when it comes to Bitcoin, I like the idea of uh, it not being regulated because it allows it to evolve. So let's say everyone cheats the system. Well, eventually everyone cheating the system, and I don't even know what cheating the system means by this, but I'm just saying it's some problem that regulation would try to quote-unquote solve. Um, If you let everyone do that, it will level out the advantage and you'll see more innovative ways of doing whatever needs to be regulated. and that's a really vague description, but um, I'm really big on software evolution as opposed to like software updates. I like to see a problem arise and then the software through the community or the individual developer fix it so that it's better. And that's how Bitcoin got to where it is today. If Bitcoin had been regulated since day one, it would have probably had the same fate as uh, the current school. Canada, you guys issue a cryptocurrency yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had Mint Chip. Uh, Mint Chip was yeah. supposed to be our own cryptocurrency. Uh, it's done nothing but fail miserably, which uh, I kind of had to laugh at. Well, I think Bitcoin's evolved to the point that if it um, does get widespread regulation, uh, it's it still is going to evolve faster than the wall. So I mean, it's it's going to dodge whatever tries to hamper it. I think the Bitcoin community so far has done overwhelmingly a, a positive job of kind of policing itself and you know doing independent code reviews and um, and working together to grow the the safety and security and consumer protections for everyone. So I would like to see that movement be more um, embraced by the community and have it almost be be self policed and self regulated. And I think that would um, not hamper innovation nearly as much as if it was kind of laid down by a, a third party or central authority. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's yeah. what Ed was getting yeah. at when he wanted me to define regulate. Because I don't have a problem with regulation that comes from a free market, that comes from voluntary interaction in the community. Look, when it comes to traffic, I like exciting traffic. No, I'm kidding around. Well, <laughs> I, I think that's I, really the only regulation there is. Because you could say that we have central regulation for jaywalking, but who, like, the average person that says, well, that's a ridiculous regulation or yeah. rule, so I'm not going to abide by that rule. So that is the market regulating right there. Yeah, I get it. You know, I, I, yeah. Sorry, guys. I, 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 I talked over you. I actually ended up getting a jaywalking ticket once. It's a source <laughs> <of me. laughs> I'm so sorry oh, to hear that. Okay, listen, guys, it's been absolutely awesome to have you on. It's avalonic.com. Uh, is there anywhere else online that people should keep their eye out for what you're doing? Uh, uh, anything that uh, do you want people to sign up for a newsletter? Uh, what else do you think people should know about? Yeah, if you just go ahead and sign up for the newsletter at, at that site, um, we'll keep you updated on progress and uh, hopefully have an app store for you guys to try out in the next couple of weeks. And we're both uh, fairly active on Twitter. Um, we're Major announcements we'll be sure to throw on Reddit. Avalonic is where you can sign up. But if you're interested in the day-to-day, uh, we're both tied to Twitter pretty heavily, and we answer just about every question. So Good Super. Stuff. All right. Well, hey, listen, thanks again, guys. I really do appreciate it. It's avalonic.com. Your Twitter handles are at the bottom. Uh, I want to thank you again for joining us tonight for our last Bitcoin cast here, uh, Bitcoin Report. It's been a great pleasure to have you on, and uh, keep on developing, hey? Thank you very much. 
All right. Good stuff. So that's those are the guys behind AvalonIC.com, which is, you know, you look at these development efforts, getting people involved. That is so key. That's what drives Bitcoin forward, right? That's what gets it to the mainstream is making it more and more valuable. Yep. People getting more and more clued into why they might want to use Bitcoin. And uh, again, if you want to learn more about Bitcoin, check out, uh, you know, check out meetup.com. See if a local Bitcoin right. group is meeting in your area uh go to bitcoin.com that's a, a website that's uh, i think it's actually in the stewardship of blockchain.info now. oh really uh hmm. i think they're taking care of it but there's a lot of good information uh, know, information there we use coins as another good place yes and of course the wikipedia article for all those uh, <laughs> yeah. reporters out there <laughs> yeah yeah well, all those reporters out there you might want to check out the wikipedia article before you go to air uh, just, just a tip. I'm just saying. And if you are an avid listener, which uh, like of audio, uh, let's talk bitcoin.com <laughs> is a great place for awesome podcasts. Absolutely, that talk about. We got stuff that's more uh, fluffy, like us, like uh, <laughs> you know. Then you got really technical stuff, like what the Let's Talk Bitcoin uh, the yeah. original show has got. Yeah, going on. yeah, no, definitely a lot of good stuff there. So many places to learn about Bitcoin and. Uh, you know, look, in, in respect to the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network, it has been such a pleasure mm-hmm. uh, to, mm-hmm. to come on. We, we did come on with, uh, we were hoping we'd be able to provide a bit better of a show that we would be able to put more time towards. We've done our best. We hope that we have provided something that's uh, enjoyable to listen to, right? Um, but we've, you know, we've done our best. We hope that it, we can come back at some point and do better. When we've got more time. That's the um, thing, right? We when yeah. we do come back, it's going to be an even better show than what you've been re- already receiving. That's right. It'll have sparklers or something. <laughs> I don't know what, what what makes a better show. I got anyways. So, sparklers so, on radio. Yeah. <laughs> what you can hear that? <laughs> that sound I guess. There'd be something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, so hey, thanks a bunch to all of you beautiful listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in, and also to the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network, the KCAA 1050 AM. Check out edneathan.com for all of our stuff. Stay tuned for Free Talk Live Uh, right here on the other side of the music. Thanks again. It's been a pleasure. This is Ed and Ethan. The Bitcoin report is all done.